Welcome to Southside Westeros, where we explore the world of Game of Thrones. From the fist of the first man to the catacombs of the Red Keep, no secrets will be safe from us. Enter and forever be changed. There is only one God, and his name is Death. And there is only one thing we say to Death. Hello and welcome back to Southside Westeros. Thank you for joining me today. I am D. Paul, your master of whispers. And today we're going to be discussing Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister is one of my favorite characters. Let me tell you, I used to get chills initially when I first watched the episode. Now, ah, spoiler alert. If you're listening and you have not seen Game of Thrones, then I'm going to get into a lot of events. So if you don't want to ruin it, hit pause, go see the series, come back, and then enjoy it with us. For the rest of you wonderful folks, you, as well as I, are hopefully big fans of the series. While we can be hypercritical of plot holes and things, but I'm going to also talk about the things I like. Uh, one being Tywin Lannister. Again, he is one of my favorite characters because I believe he is extremely misunderstood. And I think if you look at his life, the 67 years that he stayed on Westeros, then you would get a different picture of him and realize that in my opinion, and I'm going to say it up front, he was the only character equipped to win the Game of Thrones. And I'm going to say it again. Let's pause. Tywin Lannister was the only character equipped to win the Game of Thrones. And if those around him had listened and followed his instruction to the letter, then we would have a different ending to the story of Westeros. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Now, for the purposes of this podcast, we're just going to focus on Tywin, the character played by Charles Dance that you saw on the small screen in A Game of Thrones. Um, for five seasons, he was the moral compass of the war. And when I say moral compass, Tywin himself did what he had to do. Uh, Charles Dance referred to this in one of his interviews, and he said, look, where he was in that feudal system, he did what was necessary to survive, not necessarily thrive. The thriving came with the fear that others had of him. And that fear also brought him bannermen because who does not want to be in the wings of a dragon, proverbially, and on the winning side. However, I don't think Tywin ever enjoyed what he did. It was duty. It needed to be done, and it was necessary to create what I truly, truly want. Immortality. That's right. Tywin Lannister wants to be immortal. Now, of course, he's an intelligent man, so he understands he won't live forever, but he wants his legacy to live forever. Great men want to live forever through their acts. Shakespeare, Van Gogh, Mozart, these people intentionally made themselves 
the epitome of whatever discipline they chose to follow so that they would live forever. And that is what Tywin Lannister wants to do. He's going to make his house one of the greatest houses to ever reside in Westeros, and they will be spoken of a thousand years. Because in the words of Al Pacino in the movie Stand Up Guys, we die twice, once when our physical bodies go away, and the second time when the last person who knows us passes on. And that's true. So his whole motivation throughout the entire Game of Thrones was to be immortal. And everyone around him did not understand that. They were too self-absorbed to put themselves down and do the work. The work is survival and living forever. However, let's go back. Let's go back. So let's look at a Tywin Lannister. And um, we are going to have to reference the book a little bit um, to give you some subtext into what created this guy. So, the son of Titus Lannister. Titus Lannister, for all intents and purposes, is a fool. He is not respected at all. He's openly mocked. Uh, They borrow his money, never return it. Um, His bannermen do what they want. There is little to no fear of any reprisal from being disrespectful to him. And Tywin grows up seeing this. And... It wasn't until Tywin had to take over during a battle and actually won is when the tide started turning for the Lannister. And in about a 20-year period, a young Tywin successfully turned his entire house around, fortunes, financially, their standing in the community of Westeros. And quite honestly, he instilled a fear that was never associated with the Lannister in his lifetime. And when he did that, he understood that to maintain this, I could never be soft. I could never be nice. Everything has to be a pragmatic position. However, so in that, everything that you look at, this list of Tywin's accomplishments have all been to continue to maintain the respect in his name. So he cannot show weakness. So a man like, and, and let's look at Tywin and let's look at um like the Tyrells, the, the, the Martells, all these people. Yes, they're, they're the leaders of their people. They're the politicians, but I liken them more to CEOs. These people are CEOs of their particular and respected areas. And as CEOs, they have to lead their area or their company to prominence, profit and uh, growth. So Tywin does things that a CEO would need to do. He, he makes those rough decisions. If a CEO knows the bottom line is I have to fire 200 people, he's going to do it. If a CEO knows that, hey, I have to take over this company and, and kind of gut it and absorb everything good so my company can survive, he's going to do that. And those are the things that Taiwan does. And and CEOs, um, they're very hard-nosed. They're very tough. They, they tell men what to do. They fight, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight. But you'll find Most CEOs are soft when it comes to their significant other. That's where they can let the guard down. That's where they can be free and kind of be vulnerable and be gentle. And that's what Tywin had with Joanna. 
his wife, the mother of his children. And they don't reference that except during that scene where Tywin is admonishing Tyrion. And and honestly, and, and again, we're going to talk about this in a later podcast, I'm not against Tywin for some of this because I think Tyrion was a severe underachiever. But we're going to get into that into his podcast. But when it comes to this particular scene, that's when you saw a vulnerability in Tywin that you didn't see. You only saw it maybe two or three times during the entire series. And he, when Tyrion asks him, what have you ever done for family? Which, by the way, I think Tywin, everything Tywin does is for family, not for his personal glory. But he said, what did you ever do for family? And Tywin said, when I let you live. Now, a lot of you dislike Tywin because you feel that he is cruel to Tyrion. And I can understand that. I, I, I get that. I can understand that. But understand that this statement is loaded. And again, you have to reference the book to understand why. Tywin and the Mad King were actually best friends. They had to be. They were like Ned and Robert. They fought together. They bled together. They partied together. <laughs> not, not really. Tywin doesn't party. Uh, but they were best friends. And, and as he watched his best friend go mad slowly, Tywin had to suffer many indignities in the name of the king. Kind of what Tyrion should have done with Joffrey. But again, this is all perspective. What happened during that time, it's said and it's rumored that the Mad King actually raped Joanna. And in that rape, impregnated her. And the result of that impregnation was Tyrion. So it wasn't just that Tyrion was a dwarf, which at that time, if we even look at the reality of medieval times, any disfigurement or anything was uh, looked frowned upon because of the ignorance and lack of education and understanding. Um, but when you look at a dwarf and then you look at what the Targaryens were, years of incestuous behavior, years of inbreeding, and now you've raped my wife and this is the monster that you created. And on top of that, this monster that you created from the rape of the love of his life, the only thing that Tywin Lannister ever held dear and could be vulnerable to. It killed her and took her from me. But because of my dedication to duty, not honor, honor holds no place for him, duty and the goal, he's a Lannister. And if I let something happen to him, then it shows weakness amongst us all. See, Tywin never placed all his eggs in one basket. He knew what his kids were. He, he understood uh, their disabilities, so to speak. So Lancel Lannister, all these other people, he, he planted all these little seeds all over the world like um, Ego did. <laughs> so that if one Lannister fails, another one may rise up. They may not be prominent, but they'll be here and will live on. But this is, this is, that was a, a very powerful part because it was his disgust, disgust for what happened to Joanna. And think about it, a man like him 
A man who is feared, who is serious, who, who, who stands up. He's the alpha male amongst, amongst the men, the, the, the dregs of Westeros. Now we have to remember, these are hard, battle-worn, medieval men. They kill each other. They, they kill anybody. They fight. They drink and they die. So you have to command respect of these people as well as the wildlings, the stone crows, the, the savages, the Dothraki. All of these people have to respect you. And then you're given this thing, this thing. And the rumors and the whispers are that this thing resulted in the rape from the rape of your wife. And the raper, the villain, was your best friend, who you were emboldened to, who you were indebted to, who you served and bowed and scraped for, and who, as he became a psychotic individual, who embarrassed you, humiliated you. So how could he love Tyrion? And then Tyrion chose to embarrass him. Now Tyrion could have overcome the dwarf thing. Of course he could have. Could have worked harder. But again, we'll talk about that later. So I think that that portion that portion of him is, is not really focused on. And that's what caused him to shut down emotionally. Now it's all about business. Everything is business. Now, Tywin didn't spend a lot of time with his children. Not at all. They, for the most part, grew up on Castle Rock. And he spent his time in King's Landing, the Red Keep. And he would come home from time to time. And when he came home, he would pretty much spend the whole time disciplining them for things they did. They were raised by the servants, servants. Um, so they got to do whatever they wanted to do. Um, eventually, they, they, they were brought over to King's Landing. But knowing what was done, he, he, he wisely kept his children away from this vile political arena. And he gets no credit for that. Unfortunately, the result was bad, but I believe that was his intention. Holding a piece of Joanna. And every time he came home, being the man who he was, he could see what was happening. He can see it in Jamie and Cersei's face. He can see Tyrion squiggling about, waddling about, as he says. And then Tyrion marries a whore. Remember, he was 13, 14 when this happened. So, so these are the disappointments, the last piece of the love of his life. And this is what they've become while he tries to make a place in the world for them, while he tries to make it so that they will be taken care of once he leaves. And he becomes a character that was so strong, so physically disciplined in everything he did, in appearance anyway. That in the words of Circe, if Tyrion hadn't killed father, nobody would have had the guts to come after them. And that's absolutely true. Tywin did that better than 
anybody. He was the MVP of Westeros. And Tyrion sneaking into his bedchamber and killing him on the chamber pot was the only way anyone would have got him. And that's the truth. But again, I, I think Tywin is a very, very misunderstood character because I believe there's a deep-seated depression that fuels him, that are behind his eyes, those cold, cold, piercing, intense eyes. There's a sadness behind those, similar to the Hound. You have sad eyes, in the words of Tormund Giant Spain. <laughs> but our friend Tyrion um, was not the only source of his disappointment. He was just one of the biggest. I believe Tywin was disappointed in everyone he met. Everyone he met didn't live up to their potential. <laughs> potential again now where did this come from from his father from him being forced to see his father disrespected openly and also being a target of that disrespect until he became in the words of the description in the book a tall th thin man with a powerful build and he could then stand up for himself and then demand and then command the respect of the dregs of Westeros. And he, again, he grew the Lannisters and he was just looking for someone to maintain what he built. Jamie refused, becoming a Kingsguard, never fathering children. Uh, Cersei's children were a nightmare. And we'll go into that again. The, the Baratheons. And Tyrion was an embarrassment. I'm sure Tywin didn't want at 66 years old to be out on a battlefield. But he had to maintain the glory of his house. The glory that his children refused to. So when you look at Tywin and you say, well, he's a mean guy. Was he really mean? Or... Was he doing what was necessary? What Was he doing what others refused to do? Now, there's a few other points I have that I make. Now, the Lone Lion, I don't think his family is a symptom of what he's done. I think it just happens. No matter how hard you work, Something's going to fall by the wayside. And with him not dealing with the depression of Joanna, he couldn't be there for his family in any loving manner. Only duty, only honor. But uh, his success was based on his vision and his unyielding, consistent manner. Now, another part of the show I want to discuss is that moment he had with Arya when Arya was his cupbearer. Now, Tywin, knowing everything you know about Tywin, while I don't think Tywin knew she was necessarily a Stark, I think Tywin knew there was more to her. Well, we don't have to think that. We know he knew there was more to her. But I think Tywin was impressed with her. 
he saw an intensity in Aya that he only saw when looking into a mirror. He saw a will and he saw guts, heart, moxie, so to speak. <laughs> he, he saw something and he saw what he wanted to see when he looked at his own children instead of spoiled, pompous embarrassments. And that moment that he had with her when he spoke and kind of exposed a lot of her lies, but when he told her, this is going to be my last war, win or lose, that moment is the lion at the end. Now, I encourage you to look up lion prides when forming an opinion on the Lannisters and understand that that big lion, that big male lion, his job, there's a reason why he lays around because his job is to fight at the drop of a hat. Fight at the drop of a hat. Hyenas, leopards, other lions. He's here for that smoke. And the the older lion, there's no retirement for him. There's no gold watch. There's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There's no cake in the in the break room and we, we carry you out on our shoulders and then you go home and you move down to Florida and then and, and you haggle over, you know, breakfast and uh, senior citizen discounts and you go eat buffets at the casinos. No, the old lion, when he gets pushed out of the pride, he dies of starvation. It's a very hard death because he can't hunt for himself. Everything was done for him. Tywin understood that about lions. So he made sure that he can hunt and eat all the way till the end. But he knew that his time was coming to an end. And in that moment, he knew, he knew that there was a high likelihood that his life's work would be undone very quickly after he's gone. Which was why Tommond was a breath of fresh air to him. And I want you to look back at that moment with Tommond. Now, again, this is a hard man. This is a, a man that is feared and, and makes the decisions that are tough. And life and death does not mind killing. Would kill a man at a wedding. Would have people rape and murder. He'll do this, but he also was the man that after he backed Robert Baratheon and put him in place, there was 20 years of relative peace. So he's a flip side of coins, so to speak, right? He's a flip side of the coin. But he had a moment with Tommen. If you look at that moment at Joffrey's funeral, with Cersei attempting to manipulate him, he had that moment of softness where he looked at Tommond and said, I'm not trying to trick you. And he asked him questions. And not only did he ask him questions, he had examples for every answer that Tommond gave him. And those examples were able to form the opinion, the, the image of the king that Tommond should be right then and there. And at that moment, he had him just like that. He had Tommond. 
But that's the difference because this is a man who commands respect. When he walks into a room, he is the man and he will dominate any man around him, including the mountain. The only man that intimidated the intimidated the mountain. <laughs> but he was able to be soft in that moment because it served his purpose. And that is the measure of his experience and how good he is at his job as the hand of the king. As he said, kings don't run kingdoms. The hand does. And he ran Westeros for decades. Very well, mind you. So Tywin is, and again, if Tywin would have been listened to, if they heeded the lessons he consistently drove into their brains, then we wouldn't be having the conversation we're having right now because the Lannisters would still be in charge of Westeros. If they didn't make stupid moves, if Jamie would have killed Ned Stark, then we would be in a different place. <laughs> Again, Tywin, 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 the lone lion, the only one that can see it from the beginning to the end. He never wanted riches or power. He wanted immortality. He lived up to his reputation. And in his words, jugglers and singers demand applause. You are a Lannister. And greatness and achievement is expected. He understood fear was the only way to keep the scum in line. Respect and honor brought no tangible benefits only admiration from the worthless. <laughs> admiration from the worthless. <laughs> He'd understood risk and reward. And, and in a sense, he's the man that some of us need to be. The only type of man that will ever achieve great success and sustain power and dominance over his enemies and who are his enemies? Anyone who is not them. The only rule in war is to end it quickly at the lowest cost and eradicate all dissent with heinous violence. Hence, his tolerance of the mountain. <laughs> Again, he's the, only, he's the only character whose ideology would have won the Game of Thrones. And remember what Cersei said, they never would have come after us if father was still alive. And it's just sad that his legacy didn't live on the way he wanted it to. But it will live on. Thank you for listening to Southside Westeros. We look forward to you coming back and visiting us again. If you want to email us, you can reach us at southsidewesteros at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Southside Westeros at both Instagram, Facebook and Twitch, where SS Westeros at Cup of Coffee and Twitter. If you want to donate to the program to keep getting this great content, please donate to our Patreon or our Cash App. Both are Southside Westeros. Valor Dohares. 
and may the mother bring seven blessings to you all. 